0: I want to continue where Pastor Claire left off. The title for my message tonight is A Life That Pleases God. We're talking about a life that pleases God. Now, the reality is you will please someone or you will please God for one of two reasons. Number one, you love them. Or number two, you're afraid of them. And when the Bible talks about fearing God, it's not the kind of fear that maybe you and I think of where where we don't trust him or he's reckless, that person is reckless with their power, or they might abuse you. We fear God in a a reverent sort of way. So what I'm talking about here is, you'll please somebody if you're afraid that they're going to hurt you or take advantage of you, or you'll please them because you love them. And I wanna speak, especially to those of you right now, who you are fixated on pleasing yourself. Your entire life, is about what you want to do. And I wanna just give you one big reason to consider directing your affection and your attention towards God instead of just at yourself. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says this. Jesus says, the thief, talking about Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is God's invitation to every single one of you, whether you've known him or not, whether you've grown up in the church or not, whether you've been a Christian for a while, or you're not even sure if you're a Christian. The invitation from Jesus is this. I want to give you life to the full. Like I want you to have a full, rich, meaningful, deep life, but it won't come from being self-centered and thinking about only yourself, but instead, when you're focused on pleasing God. You see, you and I, friends, we wanna please God because he loves us. That's the starting base of this whole message, this whole idea, that a life that pleases God is one that recognizes God loves us. I was thinking about each of my kids. I have four kids and and there are certain things that I do with them, not because I like doing them necessarily or not because I think they're fun necessarily but because they love them because they matter a lot to each of those kids. So let's start with my oldest son, Charlie. He's nine years old. Charlie, Charlie started to get really into Star Wars. In fact, raise your hand if you love Star Wars. Raise your hand if you love Star Wars. Okay, I'm about to offend all of you real quick. Here we go. Charlie started to like Star Wars. and I'm gonna be honest with you. I hate Star Wars. Okay, like I hate Star Wars. Like R2, B3, I'm just, I'm done. Like I just, I think it's so lame. It's so lame. I am not about it at all. In fact, I vowed that I would never, ever, ever get into Star Wars. And then God blessed me with a child named Charlie who is obsessed with Star Wars. I don't know if it's spiritual warfare. I don't know what it is. But he loves Star Wars. Then the show Mandalorian comes out, okay? Which I was like, that is the nerdiest, weirdest thing ever. Mandalorian, what does that even mean? But Charlie wanted to watch it, and so guess what? I became a Mando fan. Like, I started watching Mando, right? Like, this is the way, right? Like, I'm all about Mandalorian. And then, all of a sudden, once Mando was done, Charlie got really into Boba Fett, right? The book of Boba Fett. We started watching that whole thing together. Why did we watch it together? because I love Charlie. And because I love Charlie, I've started to love the things that Charlie loves. And the weirdest thing has happened, you guys, and I've never admitted this publicly, I'm starting to like Star Wars. And I'm very scared, I'm very scared. Because people who like Star Wars are just different. And I don't know what to do with that. And so I'm trying to figure out how to make sense of that. Or or I think of Brinley. Brinley loves when I paint her nails, okay? Now, growing up, I never had a desire to paint my nails, never had a desire to paint anyone else's nails, never really thought that was cool. As soon as Brinley said, Daddy, will you paint my nails? I got really intimidated because I'm like, how do you make sure it just stays on there and it spreads and all this? It's just so weird. But we spend a lot of time painting her nails. Now, I don't do that because I really like painting nails, but I'm starting to love painting nails, I'm not turning in my man card, okay, I'm still a man. I'm just saying, I, I, I've started to like painting nails because I love Brinley, or, or, or with Lila. Lila, sweet Lila. Um, she's our five-year-old daughter. Lila loves getting her feet rubbed. She loves getting her feet rubbed. But what she doesn't know, and it's okay because she's only five, so we can talk about this now, but never bring this up again. Her feet smell horrible, like they're just horrible. I mean, they, they smell really bad. So when I'm rubbing her feet, I'm like, I need something to help with the smell, right? Like I'm trying to rub her, here's the thing. I have grown to love rubbing her feet because she loves it. Or what about Levi? Levi's our youngest. He's three years old. Levi's favorite game to play every single night is 20 questions. Has anyone ever played 20 questions before? Where you just ask a bunch of questions to try to figure out what's in his mind. Here's the thing. He's three years old. He changes what he's thinking all the way through the game. Okay? So 10 times through the game, I figure out, he's like, I'm like, You know, is it a person? He's like, yeah, it's a person. I'm like, is it someone in our family? Yeah. Is it a boy in our family? Yes. I'm like, okay, there's only three boys in our family. So I go, Charlie, uh, Daddy, Levi. And he goes, nope, it's a girl. And he just changes his mind. It's it's like the most frustrating, ridiculous game. There's no rules playing with Levi. But the thing is, I love it because Levi loves it. In other words, if you and I are gonna love God, we have to love God. What he loves—that loving God means that we love what he loves. In First Thessalonians chapter four, verse one, it, it begins like this: "As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living now." Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more. And more. The Christian's heart is to please God. I wanna ask you if you're a follower of Jesus, do you have a desire to please God? Maybe that's your prayer at the end of tonight is God, help me to desire to please you. And why? Because look what it says. Let's go back to what Pastor Claire was preaching uh, last week. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, it says, On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our heart. All One of the major themes in the book of 1 Thessalonians is who are you pleasing? Is your life about pleasing yourself, or is it about pleasing God? And why do we please God? Because he's approved of us. Guys, this is such a beautiful, encouraging reminder that God loves you, that that he approves of you, that your identity can be found in him. You don't have to go looking for it in any other relationship or any other financial uh, gain you'll make or any other kind of school you're going to. I mean, you, you could truly be at peace knowing that you are created in God's image and you are loved by Jesus. Well, last week, Pastor Claire did an incredible job preaching. By the way, can we thank Pastor Claire? She did an amazing job preaching. She's always awesome. Here were the three things that that I took away from her message. She said, the gospel transforms our hearts, the gospel inspires our love for others, and the gospel forms our vision for the church. And then she said this, if the tomb is empty, What does the risen Jesus call his followers to do? If the tomb is empty, what does the risen Jesus call his followers to do? And and maybe I want to pause here for a second. Maybe you're going, I'm not even sure that Jesus is real. I'm not even sure that he rose from the dead. In fact, I don't even know what I believe. I, I want to piggyback on what Rebecca said. I want to invite you, or what Dale was talking about, I want to invite you this coming Sunday Pastor Glenn is literally gonna be preaching a message called Before You Leave Your Faith. And so if you're going, I don't know if I wanna believe or wanna follow Jesus, I don't know what the reasons are, I wanna invite you to make sure you're here this Sunday as Pastor Glenn is literally gonna be addressing that very question. Well, As we think about a life that pleases God, I want to give you four practical ways. This is where you can start to write those down. I want to give you four practical ways to please God. Number one is this, and you can fill it in. Prioritize purity. First way that you can please God, a practical way that you can please God is prioritize purity. In First Thessalonians chapter four, first Thessalonians chapter four, my words are like all messed up. Kump and Thessalonians, okay. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, it goes like this. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins As we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. I don't know why, but this is what our passage has for us. I I don't know what your temptation is. Maybe it's sex, maybe it's an inappropriate relationship, maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's taking advantage of someone. Maybe it's bullying someone. Maybe it's simply just not being friendly and kind and loving to your parents or to your siblings or to even someone here at HSM. Maybe it's you're keeping some significant secrets from your parents. They don't know what's going on in your life. God's word is clear that one of the ways you please him is you prioritize purity. That you prioritize holy living. The word holy means to be set apart. That you choose to live a life that's different than how all your friends live. That is according to God's word. And again, why? Because God loves you and he wants what's absolutely best for you. You see, whatever is tempting you right now, you need to remember God is better. It doesn't matter what that temptation is. You have to remember God is better. I was thinking about, I've been um, studying the Bible with this guy every Monday morning at 6 a.m. And we meet at Starbucks, and, and I get my strawberry acai. Anybody a strawberry acai person? Y'all know what I mean? That stuff just, that, that rocks, right? That just It's different. It's amazing. So I get my strawberry acai, my warmed up banana bread, and we sit there, and we've been studying God's word. And last Monday, we read Philippians chapter 3. And we got to verse 19, and I want to just show it to you. Philippians 3, 19, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. And, and I paused, and I, as I was looking across and talking with this young man, I said, you know, I really resonate with this because I sometimes feel like my stomach and my appetite drives so much of my life i mean guys i just want to confess and be vulnerable with you on wednesday nights oftentimes if it's like a really great night at hsm like you laugh more than once during my sermon like i'm pumped you know what i mean like i feel like we've had a really great time and and everyone invited their friends and it was an amazing night sometimes i'll drive through raising canes and i just get the biggest meal and i'm like let's celebrate right But then sometimes we'll have a Wednesday night, we'll have an HSM and I'll say a dad joke and nobody will laugh. Or I'll feel like, man, like it just wasn't, it it was off or there was, and I'll just go home discouraged. And on my way home, I'll stop at Raising Cane's and I'll get some food and I'll try to think, man, that's gonna make me happy. It's gonna fix things. You see, I, I don't know what your temptation is I don't know what you have made the God of your life. Maybe it's marijuana. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's gossiping. Maybe it's sex. I don't know what it is, but I know that if, it's, if you put anything in the place of God in your life apart from God, it's gonna ultimately destroy you. It's why I want you to ask this question what part of your life is out of control right now i was talking with a student recently who uh, who just smokes a little bit of weed just a little bit of weed and uh, and he's like yeah i could quit anytime like i could quit anytime i said all right cool let's come up with a plan let's let's help you quit it's been the most difficult thing for him he has struggled incredibly He's realizing that this part of his life that he thought he was in control of, he's actually out of control. What is it for you? Is it what you click online? Is it a negative habit in a relationship? What is it that is out of control in your life? God wants you to live a pure life, a holy life, a life that honors him, that pleases him. And whatever that thing is that's out of control right now, you need to hand it over to God and say, God, this is out of control. I can't deal with this on my own. I need you. Second way that you can practically please God is hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. Verse, th- verse 13. <clears throat> 13? Why would I say thirteen? What is wrong with me? I'm crazy right now. All right, verse 13. <laughs> Brothers and sisters... Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. This is a crazy passage. Paul is basically laying out what the end of days is going to look like. And then it sort of picked up in Revelation chapter 21, verses one to five, it says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. Here's just a few conclusions that we can draw. Let's talk about what death and the second coming are gonna look like so that we can have hope. Check this out. What we learn from these passages is number one, when Christians die, they go to be with Jesus. So you can hold on to hope. One of the ways that you please God is by holding on to the hope that if you're a follower of Jesus, when you die, you immediately go to be with Jesus as it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 14. Number two, we know Jesus will return, we just don't know when. Maybe you've seen those people on YouTube or or you've heard somebody say, I calculated out, I typed it out, I figured it out, I decoded the Bible, Jesus is going to come back in January of 2024, blah, blah. They're lying, okay? They're lying and they're looking to make money somehow, okay? We have no idea when Jesus is going to return. Number three, Jesus will take all the living and dead Christians to be with him. I don't know if you saw that part in there, but it, it talks about how we will, we will go into the clouds with him. This is crazy talk right here. It's way crazier than Mandalorian. Like, this is insane. That we will go to be with Jesus. And then the reason some people think, oh, heaven is just up in the clouds is because that verse says, and we will be with him forever. It doesn't say that we will be in the clouds with him forever. It says we will be with Jesus forever. Because as Revelation tells us, Jesus and every Christian will live eternally in the new heaven and the new earth. So I don't fully understand all this, but the way I see in scripture, the hope that we can have is that when we die, we go to be with Jesus that when he returns, we will go and meet him in the clouds and then the new heaven and the new earth will be established and heaven, we've talked about this before, heaven will be this place glorified, perfected beyond anything we could fully imagine, but it will be familiar to what we are experiencing now just without sin, without corruption, and with everything the way God intended it to be. But maybe some of you are like, okay, that's cool, but I need hope right now. That I'm struggling right now. Maybe some of you are going to bed most nights crying in your room by yourself and you just feel totally alone. Maybe you need to just hold on to this one verse. Psalm 56, verse 8 says this You keep track, talking about God, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Can we just sit on this for a second? I kind of feel like God has some really important things to do, right? Like keep earth going and like dealing with really big issues. Do you know that the Bible says that God bottles every single one of your tears? Do you know what that means? that means that when you're crying you're not alone that he's always with you and students i think one of the ways you could please god is when you're having a really really bad day a really really tough week when that person breaks up with you or you get that grade that you didn't want or that college doesn't accept you or or your friend group is changing and and you're feeling all out of whack, to just remember that as you're sitting there scared, as you're crying, as you're feeling alone, to remember that you are not alone, that God is actually with you. I mean, how beautiful is this? This is who God is. This is how beautiful and loving and wonderful he is, that he keeps track of all your sorrows. It reminds me of, I'm I'm reading through the book of Genesis right now, and and a few weeks ago I was reading in Genesis chapter 16, and there's this woman named Hagar who has honestly just had a pretty tough life. And she no longer is able to live where she's been living, she's on the run, she has her son with her, and, and life has just been really, really hard for her. And I wonder if some of you feel that way. I wonder if some of you think about the circumstances of your life, whether it's been your entire life, the last decade, maybe the last few weeks, You're just going, man, life is really hard right now. Well, God speaks to Hagar. He speaks to her. And then she does something that, like, I'm I'm trying to remember when else it has happened in the Bible. This is a, a very unusual moment in the Bible. Hagar gives God a name. Hagar gives God a name. And this is what she says. She says, you are the God who sees me. You are the God who sees me. Just let that sink in, that God sees you. Number three, number three. Third way you can practically please God. Say and do what matters most. Say and do what matters most. Chapter five, verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard, in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. First thing he says here is in terms of saying and do what matters most, care for those who care for you. Care for those who care for you. Your parents care for you. Your siblings care for you. Your teachers care for you. Your life group leaders here at HSM, they care for you. If you want to please God, care about those who care for you. This means, guys, as we show up to HSM, we should be the most friendly bunch. We should be the most welcoming community. We should be so excited to embrace, to be able to love and care for people because God has cared for and loved us through those around us, and one of the ways we can show our appreciation is by caring for those who care for us and caring for those who haven't been cared for yet. The next thing that Paul says is he says, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. If you've got somebody in your life who's who's apathetic or who's just like causing trouble, like just causing trouble. Your biblical mandate is to warn them. We live in a culture right now where sometimes we see people making decisions that are so self-destructive, that are, it's so clear it's going to end poorly, but we're so afraid of offending. We're so afraid of saying something that, that they might not like. Now, I'm saying how you say it needs to be thoughtful It needs to be communicated in love. But the Bible says one of the ways you please God is you warn those who are in your life when they're going down a dangerous track. I want to ask you, Christians, those of you that are followers of Jesus, when was the last time you warned a friend of yours, said, hey, I love you so much, but I got to warn you. I'm worried about what's going on in your life right now. Then he says... um, encourage the disheartened encourage the disheartened he he brings this up again in, in chapter 5 verse 11 he says therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing and then in chapter 5 uh, verse or chapter 4 verse 18 therefore encourage one another with these words it's all throughout the book of first Thessalonians encourage one another encourage one another in fact this is one of the most important things that you should be doing every day with people in your life especially your life group you should be encouraging each other. How do you do that? Maybe you're going, okay, I don't understand. How do I encourage? Well, I'm glad you asked because we're gonna actually do this together. We're gonna practice it. Check this out. Let's go to the, how do we encourage? Number one, pick a verse. Number two, read it to your neighbor. And number three, say, I want you to remember that dot, dot, dot. So here's what I want you to do. Pick up the, uh, the Bible reading plan. You guys have a Bible reading plan. Pick it up. Pick up the Bible reading plan. On the back are four verses on the back are four verses here's what i want you to do i want you to turn to somebody next to you i want you to turn to somebody next to you if you don't know their name ask their name we're going to do this so you're going to talk up we're going to talk loud i want you to turn to somebody next to you i want you to pick a verse i want you to read it to them i want you to look at them as you're reading it and then here's what i want you to say i want you to say i want you to remember that and then share why you think they need to hold on to this verse Share what is encouraging to you about this verse that you wanna make sure they know. We're gonna practice this together because I want you to be doing this regularly in your life groups, in the hallways, as you're hanging out with your friends. So turn to somebody next to you, pick a verse, read the verse to them, and then share why you want them to remember that. Ready, set, go. when you're done, I want you to switch, now the other person do it, all right, you guys, look up here real quick, look up here, tonight, tonight, before you leave, before you leave HSM, before you leave HSM, I want you to do this one more time with one other person. I want you to take your Bible reading plan. I want you to look on the back. I want you to pick a verse, and I want you to look at a friend. Here, I'm doing right now. All right, so I'm gonna practice this. Ready? Austin, hey buddy, how are you? Just picked you. All right, Austin, will you stand up, please? Just so everyone can see you. I'm Austin's personal trainer, by the way. Anyways, Austin. Uh... Here we go. Isaiah 41.10, brother. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Austin, I want you to remember that God's got you. That he's got you. He's strong. He's holding you. You can do it, all right? Love you, buddy. Okay. Oh, that was so sweet. Austin and I had a moment. You guys, you guys. This could be a game changer in your relationships. This could be a game changer in your friendships. What if you text each other scripture? What if as you're reading, your Bible reading plan this week, you read something and you go, man, I wanna send that. You You know that Genesis 16 thing that I was telling you about? I read it. One morning, really early. Then I went on a bike ride. Any of you bike? Have any bikers out there? It's my new workout. I've done it twice, so I'm on a roll. Anyway, um, I read Genesis 16, where it says that God sees us. Went on a bike ride. Then I went to work, and I got a phone call from a woman. She said this. She said, I've been married a year. And on my one-year anniversary, I found out my husband's cheating on me. And then she said, what do I do? And I said, I have no idea. (laughs) But you know what I told her? I said, this morning, God reminded me that he sees us. And I just want you to know, I know this is gonna be a crazy journey. I just want you to know God sees you right now. One of the best things you can do is spend time in God's word and then share that with somebody. Use that to encourage somebody. We're gonna blitz through the end. Then he says, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. I just wanna say this, revenge, revenge will not calm your anger and it will not heal your broken heart. I don't know who that's for, but as I was preparing, I think there's some of us, man, someone did something to us and we're just mad and we're trying to figure out how to get back at them. We wanna act out in revenge. I'm just telling you, revenge will not calm your anger and it will not heal your broken heart. Lastly, number four, the fourth thing you can do to practically please God according to his word is to practice the big three daily. Practice the big three daily. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Some of you right now are trying to figure out, is it God's will for me that I go to this college or that I go to that college? Is it God's will for me that I do this major or that major? Is it God's will for me that I date this guy or this guy? Is it God's will for me that I play this sport or that sport? If you're wondering what God's will for your life is, it's that you would rejoice always, that you would pray continually, and that you would give thanks in all circumstances, even the hard ones. Because when you do those three things, and when you're, the aim of your life is to please him. The rest of those decisions, they just become a lot easier. You still gotta make them. And you still gotta ask your friends and your life group leaders and you gotta seek God's word. But, but when you practice the big three daily, you can please God and make sure that that's your first priority. Here's my closing thought. Putting God first and pleasing him will bring you the peace and purpose you are looking for. Putting God first, pleasing God, it will give you the peace and the purpose that you are looking for. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna send you into your life groups. If you're new tonight and you're not sure which life group to go to, we have one for you. Just come to the front, say hi to me and we'll get you in your life group tonight so you can talk about this. But everyone, take your Bibles with you to life group. You're gonna open up your Bibles.